Hello, my dear friends. And again, welcome to another one of our virtual celebrations. You know, this has been a tough week for a lot of us, has it not? I know that when I began working on the talk earlier this week, you know, we are, we are speaking about the path of the imagination. And I had this wonderful Chinese proverb that I wanted to begin the talk with. And I believe that I still will. And then I'll sort of dial into it a little bit. It almost feels, well, I got to tell you, last night as I was reviewing my notes, it felt kind of counterintuitive. But I still want to say it, and I still want to speak about what I want to speak about today. So the proverb goes like this. If you keep a green bow in your heart, surely the singing bird will come. If you keep a green bow in your heart, surely the singing bird will come. You know, one of the fundamental tenets of new thought is this. Thoughts are causative. It comes all the way back to one of the early, early writers, even before new thought was coalesced into a teaching, a man by the name of Immanuel Swedenborg, of which Johnny Appleseed, an American icon and hero, was a student of his teachings. But in his work, he wrote that thoughts are things. Thoughts are things. You know, it's almost as if they are what the ancients called a muse, an idea that exists that's looking to find a partner to find expression in it. And I think that that comes when we're inspired by something. Have you ever had that moment when you've, when you've had this thought, this idea about something that wants to be expressed? And maybe you followed that idea and found that there was grace and ease and support, almost as if the universe was, was working with you on it. Or perhaps like so many of us, the idea comes to you and you think, ah, maybe I'm not gonna do it, ah, I'll do it later, I'm not sure. And then you find out six months later, a year later, someone has taken that idea and become wildly successful. That's the power of a thought as a thing that's wanting to find a partner with. But let's go back if we can to this moment that if we, if we keep a green bow a bow in our heart that the singing bird will come, meaning that if there is the right resources, if we fill our heart with gratitude, if we fill our heart, our soul with surprise and amazement and awe and wonder, if we keep nearby a resource that continues to inspire us and lift us up, then our very being will be filled with song. There is a, a saying that Jesus talks about where he says, you know, that if the mind is clear, the body is filled with light. And what he means by that is if we are perceiving, is if we are looking, if our attention is on that which is clear, then our body will be filled with light. You know, uh, something that Goethe says is this, is he says that whatever we build in the imagination will accomplish itself in the circumstances of our life. What we create in our imagination will begin to unfold in the circumstances of our life.
you know, my, my I, like I've said before, my teacher used to say, you know, that the imagination lays the the tracks for the reality train to follow. That we we create in consciousness the infrastructure by which the thing itself begins to be created. And you know, this works in one way or the other. Again, if we are filled with joy and amazement, if our imagination is filled with light and song, surely then our life will unfold in such a way. However, if it's filled with, with fear or envy, or greed, if these sort of work, these darkening forces, then, then what happens is it begins to outpicture in our life. This is fundamental. This is like New Thought 101. It happens on an individual level and it happens at a group level as well. Because just as there is an individual soul, there's a soul of a family the soul of a community, the soul of a nation. And this week, I'm sure you, like myself, were filled with horror that our soul was sickened and afraid and concerned as we watched the events that have attempted coup play out before our very eyes to see violence incited from the highest levels of, uh, of government and authority playing themselves out. We've experienced, I think, a collapse of an imagination of what is possible. And you know, it hasn't been easy for many people this year. You know, if we, if we look at the statistics of suicide, of addiction, of economic loss, a pandemic that is raging out of control, people losing their houses. Um, many people are feeling alone, are feeling isolated. You know, that, that green bough is, is replaced by a thicket of thorns, of, of an overgrown garden uh, that is poisonous to the soul. And so the invitation for you and for I is, is maybe to consider this and, and how we begin to cultivate it. Because the reality is we have a choice. We even have a choice of what we cultivate in our own imagination. You know, as I've been thinking about this idea of the, the national soul and what's happening, I can't help but think of a, of, a, of a book, powerful book, well worth reading. It's called Hate, Inc. by a man by the name of Matt Taibbi. I became familiar with Matt Taibbi's work years and years ago. He used to write for Rolling Stone. But, you know, he, he had a change uh, in his own heart, maybe when he became a father. Uh, when he really began to take his writing serious. But in this book, he talks about essentially what has happened in our nation. You know, there used to be a time when the, the evening news, you know, Uncle Walter or, you know, Huntley and Brinkley, there used to be a time that the evening news was designed that the whole family watched it together. You know, that, that leftist uncle of ours that was a socialist 
or maybe the 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 young one who was a a young conservative you know the whole family sat together and watched the news together that was an important thing because it led to discussions perhaps arguments but but there was a sense of of love and of balance within the heart and what strategically happened is that the news began to be more focused on specific demographics and excluding everyone else. It was no longer something that the family watched together, but perhaps that family began to watch in other rooms. One watched one political ideology and the other watched another political ideology and both political ideologies were generated with hate with fear, with suspicion, because what we know of how the mind works is it responds to this, it triggers this, it becomes addictive. And so we've all been played on our confirmation biases by those who would want to separate us from being in a conversation together, for sharing, for disagreeing in a civil way. You know, there's an old saying that my teacher used to say that, that the, the, the devil only needs to do one thing to create turmoil, and that is convince somebody that they're right and the other person is wrong. And what the devil does really is it convinces both people that they're right and the other one is wrong. There's this wonderful African story that I, I, I love so much, Joseph Campbell used to tell, about a, a village where these uh, farmers are working in the field and this trickster god, the trickster himself, walks down the field and he has a, a hat and on one side of the hat it's blue and on the other side of the hat it's red. And he walks down the middle of the farm or the furrow there, you know, and then, uh, and then he turns around and he turns the hat around. So at the end of the day, the farmers are talking and one of them says, did you see that guy out there walking with a blue hat? The other one says, it wasn't a blue hat, it was a red hat. And, and they, they get into an argument. And then they go fist to cuffs and then they become, they, they become so enraged with each other that they go before the village elders. And finally the trickster shows up and he says, no, 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 that was me, that was me with the hat. And I turned it around because, you know, sowing discord is my favorite thing to do. As a nation, we are grappling with the effects thoughts are causative. And we are grappling with the, the effects of what happens when the imagination is infected with suspicion and greed and a belief above all else that they are right and the others are wrong. And so all of us then are being asked to to ponder a level of healing. And it begins, I think, very personally for each and every one of us. And to think about, you know, this, this book that Matt Taibbi is talking about, this idea that all of us have been played. And to dial it back and to maybe say no to that. And, you know, in Buddhism, there's this term, it's called mental hygiene. And it's, it's like gardening, right? You know, this time of year in the rose gardens, it's time to prune back. It's time to clean up. The winter time is a perfect time to 
clean to make ready for spring growth and our mind perhaps the same way you know as we are moving into this this winter time it's maybe to take um, maybe to take a, a thought and create a new imagination for ourselves. and as we hold that powerful thought within ourself that new imagination within ourself it creates the opportunity for you and I to become bridges, to become a place of peace, a place of healing, and a place of reconciliation. There's this wonderful poem by the, the great uh, uh, Sufi mystic Rumi where he says this, This being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and attend them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house, empty of it furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing out for you for some new insight. So I think what Rumi is saying here is, you know, our life, the goal of our life is to live an undefended life and to welcome whatever feeling, whatever emotion comes and attend to it, to ask it what it needs, what it's afraid of, what it wants, who it wants to connect with. And even if it feels that this thing becomes overwhelming and robs us of something, that perhaps even there, as the mystics have always said, in God all things are possible. A newness can come. A novelty can come. You know, even in grief, there is possibility. I want to do a little show and tell with you all, if I may, and that is this. I got for Christmas this year this wonderful new translation of the Bhagavad Gita Comes Alive. And I just love the, the style and the prose. It, it really just makes things so accessible. And, um, and the story of the Gita is an amazing, wonderful story. It is an entire conversation between Krishna, who is an avatar of the divine, and Arjuna, who is his friend. And the entire conversation takes place on a battlefield, the battlefield of Kurukshetra, which means the field of Dharma, the place where we have come to be and do what is ours to do. You know, and, and, and this sacred writing, like so many others, can be read on so many levels. It is a story of a battle that was supposed to have taken place 7,500 years ago. It can also be considered the workings within the body itself or how our mind works, that there is this this cosmic battle between what is ours to do and how one lives in integrity against 
that which wants to usurp and to take what's not what's not theirs to have. And so, you know, Krishna is this is this wonderful character. His name is Bhagavan, which means God as the summation of all that is good, of all that is true, and all that is beautiful. And and what they mean by that is it's an image of God that is approachable, engaging, luring, desiring our friend. And Arjuna is that part of us that when we, we face things, you know, our, our guest house is, is full of sorrow or fear or whatever confusion that there may be, that if we can listen to these immortal words, if we can listen to the new imagination that's wanting to come forth, that it leads us into a great sense of beauty. You know, what's really interesting is, is at the end of this great dissertation, Krishna says to Arjuna, you know, I love you, you are my friend, and you may do what you want to do. Because that's what love is, right? Love in order to be love must be free. We must be free to choose. And so really, even though it takes place on a battlefield, it's a love story. And what I want to invite for us to consider today is to begin to practice an imagination by connecting to that inner guide that all of us have. You know, we are so familiar with our inner critic, but the inner guide is loving and good and desires what is best for us. And so what I invite you to do is join me in, a, in an imaginative contemplation. And it is this. Imagine yourself in a mystical place, the field of Kurukshetra. And there you are, noticing all around you, friends, cousins, uncles, teachers, mentors. There you are facing something that you know now that it is important for you to do, but what for whatever reason you may feel confused or afraid or powerless or whatever it is that holds you back. Notice that you are there with your friend, the divine, who is loving you, not judging you, not condemning you, but is there for you. And perhaps it's an, an image of Krishna. Perhaps it's an image of Mary or Jesus. Perhaps it's an animal totem. It doesn't matter what, as long as it is loving, and kind and non-judgmental and gives you your freedom. And if you can be in this place and quiet yourself, you will notice that green bow in your heart. And you will notice that if you are still, that you can hear this divine word 
you know, Neville calls this the, the divine birth that begins to happen. And in his book, Infinite Potential, he says this, Therefore, to magnify the Lord is to revere or expand one's present conception of oneself to the point where this revelation becomes natural. When this natural is attained, you will give birth by becoming that which you are one with in consciousness. So let us all attend to ourself, reevaluate ourself by listening to that divine voice within. And in doing so, we give birth to a newness of ourselves. We are born again into a consciousness of love. We create a new imagination that is filled with health and prosperity and joy and love and connection. And in doing so, we become a place of transformation as we heal our soul we begin to heal the soul of the nation